Um, we have our first uh, deacons meeting today with our new team, and it's really put, put my heart back toward vision and toward where we're going as a church. And we're going to be talking about rejection today. But I kind of wanted to tell you where my heart was real quick. Um, we, have, we are now going back through Letters to the Church by Francis Chan with the worship team. And it's caused me to come back to ground zero of what God desires for the church. It's so important that we, that we as a church focus on what God wants for us as a church, not what we want as a church. And that's, that gets so much in the way. Our own opinions, our own traditions, we don't even realize. It, it talks about in Scripture how the Pharisees were getting so bent out of shape because people weren't washing their hands before they ate. And uh, so much so that wanted to kind of blow the whole thing up. And it's not in the Word to wash your hands before you eat. But it was in their word. And let me tell you, washing your hands before you eat is a good thing. That's not bad. But it's not worth breaking our body over. And we have these things that we think are God's word and they're not. And it's so important that we get focused on what is God's desire. So if you want to hear my heart for where we're going and where this meeting's going to go today, it's what does God say for us to do and are we doing it? At the same time, we are called as a church to provide a place that you can connect to the body of Christ. The purpose of the church is the body, right? It's not the building, it's not the programs, it's the body. We are the church. So if you've been around me at all here lately, I will bug you to death to get involved somewhere. I run you down, I call you, I text you, I just bug you. I have a couple that came, they came to Sunday school this morning, probably because I bugged the snot out of them. <laughs> I'm not kidding. It is so my heart not to build my Sunday school class, which I want to, not to, to increase the offerings, which I want to. We need the, the offerings to increase. No, that my heart is to get you connected to this body because there is hope there. There is hope there for you. There is breakthrough there for you. And to get to be a part of a body to where we can, we can, um, we can um, introduce you to the Lord. Part of what we are here to do is for me and for you to introduce the person next to you to the Lord. We read about uh, David this morning in Psalm chapter 51 about his his walk of repentance and restoration and cleanliness, getting cleansed and getting restored. And then at the end, it says, so that I can now go and teach others that what you do. That's why we're here. It's not to play some game. Let me tell you, I, I, I love playing games for the sake of playing games. This is not one of them. I don't want to play a game. My heart is for you. My heart is for you to get connected because I believe you're here for a reason. It's hard for you to get connected because you've been hurt. We're going to look at it today about rejection. It's hard to trust again, especially in church. Why? Because people hurt people. You've been hurt. You've been hurt by people. And it starts with rejection. But my heart is to get you connected so that we can start loving on one another and start doing what God's called us to do, start finding our purpose, and start really having hope and a future. That's where my heart is. And I want to encourage you. Join in. Get your roots down. 
you got to get those roots down so that fig, fig tree can blossom. Now, Karen gave me a fig tree too. My story's a little different. It did live, it lived for a while, and it produced fruit. And then it died. And it's not there anymore. I had to repent to Karen. Sorry, Karen. I didn't know how to take care of it. I didn't know what I was doing. We loved the figs when they came out. If you've never had a fresh fig, you've never really lived. They are good. But can I tell you, that's the story of church. We get planted, we get going. Next thing you know, something happens and we get off track and we never go back. Or we go back and we never plug back in. My heart is to get you over that hump and get plugged back in because what God has for you is good. Amen? Can you buy into that? Let's do what God says and let's get connected to the body. Everybody say amen. Amen. All right, I trust you believe that. All right. Rejection. We learned last week that I, I believe that rejection is a root, if not the root, to most of your problems. It's where most of your issues started. And the effects of rejection may be something that may have, the rejection that you had may have been relatively minor or it might have been so devastating that it's affected your whole life. Go back and listen to this one if you missed last week because we learned that rejection can turn into a spirit of rejection. Way deeper than just, hey, I, like, like being afraid and having fear or having a spirit of fear. There's a big difference, but there is a spirit that goes along with this. And all human relationships are accompanied by some form or risk of rejection. I mentioned last week, and this sounds silly, but hand-me-down clothes. Race, physical defects, being ridiculed at school. Many times people don't know how to identify with you, so they reject you. We learned over the last series about how God made us different on purpose. Not so we could now take sides, but so that we could be diverse and stronger because of each other. Amen? The most damaging kind of rejection comes from when a child perceives rejection from a parent. I want to look at three situations that can cause that wound. First of all, a child may be unwanted during pregnancy. The mother may be carrying her child in the womb that she really doesn't want. Now, she doesn't say it out loud, but what's happened is in this pregnancy, it's, it's rocked her world. Everything's changed. Everywhere that she's wanting to go has gone in a different way. And in some ways, maybe she's not saying it or maybe not even consciously thinking it, but somewhere down deep, there is this rejection of this, of this child. And I want you to know that child in the womb feels it. That child feels that and it creates problems. And that child could be born with a spirit of rejection. Let me give you an example of, of, of a time that this really happened would have been in the depression where they didn't have enough money to feed all the mouths that they had. Now, I heard a song this week. I can't remember who sang it. I think it might have been Five Seconds of Summer or something like that, some secular band. Uh, it wasn't Five Seconds of Summer. I can't remember who it was. But it was called The Roaring Twenties. And I think they were talking about The Roaring Twenties that's coming next year. When I hear The Roaring Twenties, I think of the stock market and the things that happened back in the 1920s. But I'm like, I said to Elizabeth, we're about to be back in the 20s. You know, I've just not had that stop and just really think about 
kind of what happened back in those days. But depression, you can see how rejection could take place. Second, a situation where a child does not receive demonstrated love from parents. Even if the parents love the child, they may not know how to express that love. I know so many that have had fathers that have never told them that they loved them. You can just say, man, it was the era we grew up in. Well, it's kind of an excuse, but it still leaves that void. My wife gave me a book while she was pregnant with our first child with Rita, and it was called She Calls Me Daddy. It was, it was about how dads needed to learn how to express love. I can tell you that did not come natural to me. I had to learn. I had to study, and I had to do things sometimes even when I didn't think about it, even when it wasn't my natural response. Elizabeth once said over, over Pete, she was having an, a, a hard time uh, going through something in her life and she had encountered with Pete and she had encountered with me and she just said, Pete gets me. He just gets me. He just knows how to talk to me when I'm down. I'm like, well, what about me? So what did I do? I started listening to what Pete would say. We have different personalities. Pete is very strong in mercy, very strong in compassion. I'm not. I've had, to, I've, had to get, I've had to strengthen that. Now, I'm better than I was, I hope, but I would listen. That, that's what's happening here is dads learning to demonstrate love, even if it's not natural to you. When the parent fails to show or demonstrate love to their child, the child thinks, I'm not wanted. I'm not loved. An, un, an unhugged child many times is a rejected child. Children that are given everything that they love tend to be, I'm sorry, children that are given everything other than love tend to be rebellious. We'll go into that one. But deep wounds of rejection always also comes from divorce. Relationships with mom and dad are ripped apart and it leaves this deep wound of rejection. This is their thinking. The person that I loved and trusted most has abandoned me. It's not true per se. It is to the child. And from now on, I won't trust anyone to stay. Can you see how that can just be deep-rooted? The spouse the children left are also bombarded with many more responsibilities which damages the relationship with the wounded child the child winds up with the mom single and having to work again having to maybe even start working themselves having to give up certain things next thing you know has a double portion of wound and of rejection because the, the mom left at home is just so frustrated and can't make ends meet or maybe they were left with the dad and the dad can't make ends meet double rejection from the father and mother Third, siblings can perceive unequal affection from parents, whether intentional or not. Take three children, middle one feels left out. It's not always the case, but it does happen. There are cliches about middle child, middle children, because a lot of times it is true. I'm, I have to repent because I do this jokingly, and Elizabeth says this is not funny. Thank you. Because one child will get something that the others didn't, and I'll say, oh, it's because we like that child. 
There's a weird roar going on right there. And I think my kids know that I'm joking, but there probably is a little bit of wound that happens when that one got left out and this one didn't. You have four, things don't always measure up exactly perfectly. The fair meter swings. I can tell you as a third child, I got away with a lot more than the first child got away with. (laughs) Just the way it is. At the same time, that child got a lot of stuff I didn't get. I don't like that. I make that part known. I don't worry about the stuff that I get extra. But can you see the rejection? There are so many ways that rejection can stick to you. Rejection can be a hidden inner attitude that we carry around. And I want you to know, church, rejection takes root in the spirit. It takes root in the spirit. Every negative emotion, reaction, and attitude have an association with them with a corresponding spirit. I've talked about this fear and the spirit of fear. Jealousy and the spirit of jealousy. Listen to this one. Hate and the spirit of hate. I know it's true. Doesn't happen to every person that experiences fear. Doesn't always wind up with the spirit of fear. But I want you to know if you don't deal with that fear, it opens the door for that spirit to come in. Same thing with rejection. Same thing with jealousy and hate. Rejection is a root of which so many other destructive emotions and attitudes may grow. But when we get older, we expose ourselves to the possibility of more rejection through marriage. But this time the pain is compounded because it involves trust. And it leads to betrayal. Women who trusted their husbands and gave themselves unreservedly and then their husbands left... They felt betrayed or vice versa. The wife left the husband. I want to ask you, have you ever been betrayed? How have you responded? Many times, a lot of times we say, I'll never let myself get hurt right there again. I will never open up myself again. No one will ever get another chance like that to hurt me. And that's a natural reaction, but church, that is dangerous. Because you know what it opens you up to? Defensiveness. You get your defenses up to where no one can get through, including God. You get those defenses up. And it's a reaction of someone who's been hurt once too often. Defensiveness says, all right, I'll go through life, but I will never let anyone get close enough to me to hurt me again. And I'll always keep a wall between me and other people. Do you know who's the one that suffers? You. I'm the one that suffers. You become shriveled in, a shriveled, incomplete personality. You, come, you become a person with one limb hanging off, with one limb missing. You know what the church is like when you're missing? We're like a limb with, it, with something missing. We're like, a, with, we're like a body with a limb missing. We're incomplete. 
When I'm walking around with walls up that won't let people in, I am incomplete. Why? Because I'm hurt. Because I'm betrayed. I'm the one that suffers. Isaiah paints a vivid picture of betrayal. Here the Lord is comforting his people. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 54, verse 4. Don't be afraid. You will not be put to shame. Don't fear disgrace. You will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no more the reproach of your widowhood. For if your maker is your husband, the Lord Almighty is his name, the Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer. He is called the God of all the earth. The Lord will call you back as if you were a wife deserted and distressed in spirit, a wife who married young only to be rejected, says your God. At the height of this, we read, the wife deserted and distressed in spirit, a wife who married young only to be rejected. Many of you know how that, feel, how that feels. But it's sometimes the other way around. Sometimes it's the wife who rejects the husband. And we think somehow of men being stronger than women. Men who feel rejected by their wife can suffer this, this inexpressible agony. Typically, uh, it's been stereotypical, not as much in today's world. But in the world that I grew up on, I, couldn't, I didn't feel like I could show emotion. It was weak to show emotion, to even express my feelings. So what do I do? I hold those in. But it shows us here in the scripture, if we go back to verse 4, it used two words, shame and humiliation. Shame and humiliation. Shame is debilitating and weakening, and it keeps us from functioning as human beings. If you're suffering from shame, this is the way you express, I'm not fit to meet other people. I can't look them in the face. Now, this seems like such a, a, dark, a dark world we're going down into. I want you to know there is light at the end of this tunnel. We can see here that as we allow the Lord to restore our hearts, he's going to remove the shame, he's going to remove the humiliation, and he's going to restore us. He's going to restore us. He will call us back. And he's going to restore you. Keep going with me. But there are two ways, uh, other than betrayal through divorce, that shame affects a person. It's public humiliation. Have you ever had that done to you at school or at church or at work? But the other way that shame can come, and this is going to be tough, and I'm going to end with this, is sexual abuse. Unfortunately, this is so common in our society as, as Elizabeth has worked in the school systems and as we've been a part of, of children's ministry and, and been a part of children's lives, this is so here in our city, in our nation. A person may not be free to tell anyone about it. Often it's a parent or a grandparent or a relative who's responsible and the abused person never knows whether to trust that relative again. And the outcome leads to the person struggling with mixed attitudes, one being mistrust and the other being the obligation to show respect. How do you show respect to your parent when your parent is abusing you? 
all of a sudden your whole outlook is messed up. And what happens is when a parent does this, that gets associated to God our Father and we can't trust God. Not because God's not trustworthy, but because we have gotten broken. And you remember from last week, this stuff gets so down deep rooted that if we just heal the outside and just put a Band-Aid on, that root, that piece of shrapnel in our body continues to fester and will eventually kill you. Surgery has to take place. That's what's trying to happen here with God's word and with the church and with connection is to be able to identify these things and allow the spirit of God and the body of Christ and the word of God and the power, the same power that raised Christ from the dead to go in and remove that. And for you to be able to trust again. The fact that you can't trust doesn't mean you're damaged goods and there's no hope for you. No, there's hope because God is trustworthy. But healing is going to have to take place. We can come pray for you and lay hands on you and, and we can shout and hoop and holler and the Spirit of God move. But I want you to know a real healing needs to take place. It's not that what happens down here is not real. It is real. And God can do a miracle. But for the most part, your roots need to be uprooted and put back down. And that takes time. The things that you've been through takes time to heal. And that's why we're here. It's not to come in and be a part of this body one or two times a year. It's to be a part of this body all the time. It's to be a part of Christ and walking with him and in his word and abiding in his word all the time. Now, we're going to have hangups or we're going to have work and we're going to have stuff that we just can't do Jesus stuff every single moment. But when we're done working, when we're done doing those things that we've got to do, we then plug back in and fill back up so that when we get back into this world, we can take on the world. I can take on the world. You can take on the world because greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. There is nothing I can face that can take me out if I am in God. Nothing can take me. I have victory. Doesn't mean there's challenges. Doesn't mean there's bumps in the road. But I will not break. Church, you will not break. You have broken so many times and you're you're like enough of that. I've had enough of that. I'm with you. As your pastor, and as I said, when we first stood up here, my intention is to say, I've had enough of that. There is something better, and that better is Christ. That better is plugging in the way that he says to plug in. Plug into my word. Abide in me and me and you. Bear fruit, as Brandon said today. Be a part of the body of Christ. Get filled with the Holy Spirit. Let your direction change and let it start now. We're going to start looking at the ways to overcome rejection over the next few weeks. But right now, I want you to hear me. There is a better way. And that way is Jesus Christ. You may be here today and you may say, Pastor, I've never made that decision. You may be here today and say, Pastor, I made the decision, but it really, I don't know that it was really real. You may be here today and say, Pastor, I did make a decision and it went well for a while 
and then I fell off. You may say, Pastor, I, I had it, and, but I'm gone. You may say, Pastor, I'm still pretty good, but I could do better. I think that everyone can find a way to say, I need more of the Lord. Is that you? Would you turn? We did it the first thing when we started is just to come clean with our sin and then to ask the Holy Spirit to come back in and fill us. And then starts the work. Then you go away from here and you get back in the Word. You get back in fellowship. You get back into confession. You get back into doing the things that God says to do. And you know what? Then I start expecting God to do His thing. I start looking for it. God, I'm doing your work. I'm looking for you to move in my life. I expect you to move. Do you know when David prayed for redemption and for restoration, he expected it and he expected it right then. Restore in me a new heart, O oh God. Don't take your spirit from me. And he, I believe he expected to leave that prayer different. That's what I'm expecting for you. Y'all stand up with me, please. That's what I'm expecting for this church is a hope and a future and a different way. There is a way that seems right to a man, but that way leads to death. God has a good way for us. Turn, church. Come back to the Lord. Will you pray with me? Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you that the blood of Jesus, that the Spirit of God has set us free from a spirit of rejection. I just right now, in Jesus' name, command that spirit to go. I just ask you right where you sit to command that spirit to go. There is power in your words. When your words line up with God's word, he does it because he says that he is watching over his word, waiting to perform it. In Jesus' name, we just cast out this spirit of rejection. Father God, I know that this spirit of rejection, this deep wound is, is real. These things are real. And I just ask you, Lord, to help put the right people in our way. Spirit of God, speak directly to us and help us to, to allow healing to take place. Father God, you know what every person here has been through. And I know that you're crying with every situation. It hurts you. But Father God, in Jesus' name, let the healing start today. Let us be able to release this pain. Let us be able to forgive, not to allow to happen again, but to release that bitterness and unforgiveness that we've held on to. Because you are worthy and because you have forgiven us. I just speak release right now in Jesus' name. Release. And healing. Father God, help us to hear your word, to follow your word, to buy into your church, to your body. To get plugged in and find that place that we fit. And God, use us. Help us to find purpose. 
and give us breakthrough in the things that we're walking through. Father God, bless our church. Bless those that are going out of here today to take on a new job or their job may be challenging or maybe a, a new marriage or their marriage is, is, is hurting. God, restore. Let us turn back to our spouses, not away from them. Turn our hearts, Lord. Create in me a new heart and restore in me a new spirit. Make us new again. For you that just are receiving Christ today for the first time, you get a new spirit. For those that are returning, you get a new one too. Restore us, God. Bless us, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Come Wednesday night. We've got small groups and we've got meatloaf. Meatloaf Wednesday night. God bless you.